For so very long, it's been... Go on, George. Tell how it's gonna be. But in the end, the commission only said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured it, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it... But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else. Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When this is the end. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up, mm hmm. Looks okay. The world survives into another day. And the way forward goes through, as it must. The Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. A number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over. Still can't find it. Nah, can't find it? We can help. This here is 1240. 1240. It's always been 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah, plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's The Joe Beaver Show. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, and welcome to the uh, the Joe Beaver Show. Here for a Friday. I'm John Warren, along with T.J. Matthewson. Mike Parker, of course, is en route, or getting ready to be en route, or already there, but heading from uh, Salt Lake to uh, to Colorado. And boy, what what a rough one that was last night for Oregon State men's basketball. My Be goodness. Beavers have won. <coughs> this is an incredible stat I saw yesterday. They've won one road game. Since I started here, uh, yeah, that's that's we're, incredible. We're it, was, it, was a, it was a struggle last night. Ooh. That Utah team's good; they can score the basketball. They can, but Oregon State hanging with them for the first ten minutes, going back and forth, and for most of those first ten minutes, the Beavers had the lead. Every time I looked up, they had the lead. So I'm thinking, well, this will be interesting. We'll see how long this lasts. Because uh, on paper, Oregon State's in last. Utah's one of the top-tier teams in the conference and uh, a good team. And it, uh, it was lasting for a while. I, my wife and I went out to dinner at Carino's, and we were in the bar, and we were seated, uh, seated strategically with the TV that had the Beaver game on over her head. So I was watching the game. Of course, there's no volume on any of these TVs. And then having, you know, having a conversation with her. And trying to pull that off, which which many many people try to do, it's a skill. And and uh, I did it to perfection. She had absolutely no idea. Now I told this story this morning on the radio, and so she found out, but she's okay with it. Uh, but uh, I was just sitting there watching. Mm -hmm. Oh, really, really? Well, you tell her, and then you know, looking up. No, I'm just kidding. But I I am surprised that she didn't catch on because I was constantly looking up over over the back of her head, <coughs> and. Uh, I'm just sitting there, and it's 1915, I think, about 10 minutes to go, 10 and change. And uh, I was really only half paying attention, but I just kind of noticed, oh, okay, all right, they scored again. And then, oh, look at that, old lay defense. He just ran right by him and dunked it. And, uh, and then the Beavers were getting a lot of shots, some good, and they were, uh, they, some of them were going halfway down the cylinder and spitting back out. Uh, some of them were just not very good shots. But a lot of them were good, good looks that just wouldn't go. 
In the meantime, Utah just kept scoring. And it was 8, 19, 17, 19, and it just kept going. I'm like, okay, this is the longest stretch of not scoring that I've seen in a long time, if ever. And they never scored until a last-second shot before the half, if I believe, off, banked off the, off the window. And so the, the halftime score, 33 to 22. So essentially a, an 18 to 3 run in the final 10 minutes. And it was just as ugly as it could possibly be. Certainly disappointing for the, the Beavers' stretch here since the new year turned and you know, beating USC in the second conference game of the season you know, led a little bit of optimism. But since, there's been some opportunity there for, yeah. for a win and, and some, some, some better play strong together. But it, it just hasn't been there, and uh, the Beavers are going to go into, into Colorado tomorrow, and that's, that's always a tough place to play. I'm, I'm scrolling on my <coughs> timeline last night and this morning about Dana Altman <laughs> coming out after the Ducks lost to Colorado yesterday. yesterday uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, and, six game and winning streak. And they come yeah. out and they ask Dana, is, are, are you guys going to reschedule in Boulder? And are, are you guys going to reach out to Tad Boyle to schedule in Boulder? Uh-huh. And he said, no. <laughs> I have not. And people are like, well, yeah, he should probably just leave it off. Well, Dana's 1-10 in 10 since Colorado joined the conference. That's inc- for, uh, for as good of a in coach Boulder. as he is, that's incredible. Yeah. So there, no wonder he's like, yeah, we're, we're good. We'll, we'll play somewhere else. Yeah, very, very surprising on that. Very surprising. I just want to look at the uh, uh, box score real quick. Mm, it's not up. It's not up under the schedule. I don't have it in front of me, but... Only uh, one player, I think, in double figures. Dexter O'Connell with 12 points. Uh, Jordan Pope, seven points. He had a string of 20-plus at four or five games going into that game last night. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, there was just nothing there. It's, it's surprising. We do have Wayne. I'll give Wayne credit. He came, he came out and, 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 and talked with Mike, and we, I've got that audio. We could perhaps play that and uh, hear a little bit about you know his thoughts after after that, but uh, what can you say? It doesn't get any easier. Too, you come home next weekend and you have Arizona, who has just been uh, been a little more inconsistent in in league play, but they are the best team in the Pac-12. And then Arizona State's been good this season as yeah. well. And then you go on the road. UCLA hasn't been great this season, but they beat ASU on Wednesday. And then USC, who the Beavers have already beat this season, like. Yeah, well, we see the, all the five-star talent on that roster, and they could turn it around and, and play well. It's not not an easy stretch before if, you you come back home after that, and you have the two Washington schools come into Gill Coliseum, and might be a little bit more manageable of a challenge back except, at home at Gill. Except since Oregon State lost in a close one, that you know, in watching the game, you thought they blew it. You thought, oh man, you could clearly beat this team, right? And they were doing fairly well in the first half for a while, and then uh, Washington State kind of overcame them, despite Oregon State again shooting very poorly, and uh, you know, a, kind of a short margin victory, right? Cougars over the Beavers. Well, since then, Washington State has beaten Arizona. Mm. Then they went on the road and won by was it fourteen mm. uh, at uh, who was it? Uh, Stanford. They beat Stanford on the road uh, last night by 14. So, And that Stanford team had beaten Arizona yeah. as well. So the, the crazy thing is, is you look at wins like that and how you measured up to, to those two teams and then how you, how you did against a team that, uh, you know, in USC with the loaded talent and stuff, and you think it's a fairly even conference, save for maybe Arizona pulling, pulling away in the end, and Oregon was hot with six straight wins. But 
But no, no, no. It's just, I don't know, the difference between one game to the next with Oregon State, and it was just a struggle. It was frustrating, really. Frustrating to see that. Yeah, it's frustrating to see. But the important games coming up, but they're gonna they're yeah. gonna salvage us now. One and one and five in conference. It's it's a hard hole to dig out of. And there's it, for how the conference is stacked up in, in net rankings this season. There's not a lot of opportunity to climb higher. Yeah. Because yeah. even if uh, even if the conference records looks good for some of these teams, you know, net ranking wise, it's 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 more difficult to gain any sort of momentum, any sort of national relevance if the computer rankings don't like you. So, so it it's it's tough. <coughs> if your team's not going to go anywhere, you do want to root for other teams to go and get as many teams into the tournament as possible for those units. Yep, for the revenue. And that revenue will go for six years, and that that would be... Unfortunately, <laughs> computers yeah. don't like the conference at right, all. Right, so right. So it, it might be a three-bid or two-bid, two maybe. Yeah. yeah. Utah, I think, right now is sizing up. They're, they're doing okay in terms of their net ranking. They're top 25 in Ken Palm. I was looking yesterday. Mm-hmm. Net ranking likes them as well. Arizona's the only real elite net team. Okay, so Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Oregon. Who else who else could we see getting in there? Um, so we we have the net rank of the net rankings up right here. So Arizona right now in net is oh that's not good. Oh okay, so they're third in net okay. as of the last update. So that's uh that's a quad one win for whoever beats Arizona no matter where they play, mm-hmm. which is a start. But if we look at the rest of the Pac-12, and Utah's in the top 25 of net, and then it's a bit of a drop-off after that. Colorado is 39th in net, and then Washington State is 47th, and that's about the bubble right there. Okay, Those two, I would say, right now qualify on the bubble as an at-large without winning the conference. So right now you're looking at Three to four bids. Okay. Three to four bids. So three to four units, depending on how much other teams win. And then after that, a bit more of a drop-off. Oregon's at 57. That's probably on the outside looking in. Washington definitely on the outside at 73. And then it just goes down from there. USC's somehow inside the top 100. Stanford's just outside of it. Arizona State, despite their good record, is 113th in net. With 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 bubble teams are what a lot of movement can happen here, mm. in, you know, before the the end of the season. You know, maybe someone goes down to Arizona like uh, Stanford did and wins that game. It, it's it just stinks though because when once you get into the conference slate, you're you you're of course only facing the conference teams, right. and if they didn't make the headway in net during the non-conference, it's really hard to kind of manufacture your net back up to an elite ranking, yep. which is why conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC with, with deeper uh, deeper basketball conferences, and they'll play in those preseason non-conference tournaments like the Big Ten SEC Challenge, Big Ten ACC Challenge, mm-hmm. however they structure it, mm-hmm. Big 12, et cetera, with, with their basketball conference. And you get all these teams, you get eight, nine teams in the top 45 of RPI, and then once conference play rolls around, you're just playing each other, huh. and that it's hard for that net to really drop because you either get a good win or a good loss. Exactly. You you got to get the work done in the non-conference. Yeah, you do. And unfortunately, the Pac-12 is at a geographical disadvantage with that. Um, not, obviously, won't won't be a problem in the future with right. with uh, at least in the in immediate future with that. And it, it stinks. And people make that that case for baseball as well with the ge- the geography of it. It's it's easier for the southern teams and the Midwest teams with more compacted 
uh, close together campuses to mm -hmm. schedule each other and have better opportunities in the non-conference. So then when conference play rolls around, you don't, there's not as much volatility as opposed to the Northwest schools might have more teams who don't travel as far, don't face as good competition. They're outside the top 100 and whatever ranking you're going to do. And then you lose a series, you lose a basketball game to them and you plummet hurts you in the end and right. the other conferences benefit. So the schedule for the weekend, uh, the women play at Cal tonight, and then they play, um, is it Saturday or Sunday? They play Sunday at Stanford. Mm -hmm. The men will play tomorrow at Colorado, wrestling tonight at home, and then Sunday at Oklahoma State. That's a quick turnaround, especially to go uh, from your senior day on a Friday night to a Sunday afternoon at Oklahoma State in Stillwater for um, you know the, the second half of your season. Mm-hmm. There's no more matches at home. This is it. There's one more in Hillsborough, but nothing. So <coughs> that's why it's senior night. It's only two matches or meets. Meet. Uh, is it a meet or a match? We've never figured that out. We can we ask had a whole uh, show on Gabe Wisenhunt. We had a whole show on it, and we, we even involved uh, gymnastics and swimming to figure out, is, are they meets or matches? Anyway, there's uh, just the Penn State and then tonight against Cal Poly, and that's it. At Gill Coliseum. And I'm doing the PA again. Yeah, good Signing. for you. Do you know if you're going to stand and do the Michael uh, Buffer stuff? I don't think they're going to do the one the one mat right. again. No, that's a so special it would make, deal. It would make less sense for me to like have a mic come down in between the two mats right. to talk about it. Yeah. It would be cool. I'd, I'd love to do it again. I, I kind of liked getting up there on stage. It's, no, that's great. It was certainly interesting because standing in front of 8,540 <laughs> people. It can be a little bit intimidating for some people. I just up there and felt fine. Just just read and smile and talk. And, hey, I mean, I'm talk, probably talking to 8,540 people right now. I just can't see them. <coughs> for some people, it's different. For me, I will pull it off. I'll absolutely do it. I don't like it, though. Mm -hmm. I prefer to either be courtside on, on press row or, or doing a game where no one's really paying attention if you're live, but not on a stage, even though I've done a ton of stage stuff. Heck, since I was eight years old, I've been doing stuff on stage. I still don't like it, but good for you to have that confidence. All right, Lee, give us the lay of the land. So the lineup for today, I, I think you guys are really going to look forward to the guests we have lined up today. At 1130, we have new Beaver shortstop Elijah Hainline. He is a transfer from Washington State, a native of Spokane, Washington. He's going to join us Right at 11.30, an uh, all-Pac-12 honorable mention shortstop. He hit 337 last year with 12 bombs. That's that's pretty good. And then we will go to a Corvallis native at 12.05, Gabe Wisenhunt, a sophomore on the Oregon State wrestling team, a graduate of Crescent Valley High School. And we'll talk to him at 12.05. So that's a pretty good that's uh, a great that's a pretty good run of guests today. I'm looking forward to talking to Elijah. This Beaver baseball team, number seven in the D1 baseball top 25 poll. I was just... Uh, I scrolled across. Uh, do you remember Stephen Shock? Do you remember him, the Virginia closer, big burly dude? Yeah, yeah. He threw uh, he threw submarine or three quarter yeah. submarine essentially. So he does he does some work with D one baseball now. He does his own sort of content uh, by himself talking about college baseball. And he made a video yesterday, and he was running through the Beavers lineup. And you, go, I saw that too. And I you go uh, you yeah. go about six seven deep, and you're looking. It's like. That's, that's and a, he kind of goes through what his idea of the starting lineup would be. Right. And uh, it, uh, Tanner Smith behind the plate, but Weber maybe. 
You know, mm-hmm. he no, that was good. I, I went through. I, I listened to that. Tra- Travis Bazana at first base. Elijah Hainline at shortstop. Travis at second. Yeah. Um, Guerra at first. Yep, Guerra and then, at and first. And then that puts Hainline at, at short, but Hainline... Trent, Trent Carraway at third base. Yeah, freshman. Hainline only played a, a handful of games at shortstop mm-hmm. for the Cougars these mm-hmm. last two yeah, years. Yeah, most of his games were played at second base last year, but it looks like he can play all over the infield. Yeah. He also played a few games at third as well, so he could shift around, but it seems like... He's going to be the shortstop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's because they've got, I think, Caraway mm-hmm. pegged in Car- at, at, third base. at third base. Yeah. But obviously, Travis is going to start at second base. Right. There's no mystery there. But going through that Beaver lineup, I mean, it's we're wild. talking one, two, three, four, five, six, at least, like six. You got the four infielders. All four of the infielders hit. Assuming Caraway lives up to to his hype as a right. as a freshman, could right. could take a little bit of an adjustment like Gavin Turley last year, but we'll we'll pencil him for for perhaps in the six hole. We, you guys get to talk to Mitch Cannon later on as we get closer to the right. season. We'll, we'll probably get a better idea of that. But then you go in the outfield too with Micah McDowell, Gavin Turley in his sophomore All season, and back. He, Casper and, he, and Wright. Casper and Wright. I mean, I'd be excited for Gavin Turley as well, who we saw over the final month of the season when he finally just figured it out. Mm-hmm. That dude was one of the better players in in America, right there with the with power that is almost unmatched uh, yeah, at the college level, and that's that's exciting. And you look at that line, like man, they're going to score some runs. It's going to be a great offense, and uh, you know, pitching is pretty good too. And there's all the the new guys that we don't know a lot about, but word out of camp is, oh man, they're. They are really excited, mm-hmm. really excited, especially offensively. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Mike from Seattle, by way of Arizona, joins us here on the uh, on the show. Hey, Mike. Hey guys, how are you? Excellent. Good. Hey, I'm officially worried now about basketball. Um, I got a feeling that it's going to be really tough down the stretch now in basketball play to get another win. Um, I was at the Arizona State game against UCLA on Wednesday down here in Tempe, and both those teams looked great. And uh, and, the, and the Washington schools are playing better, um, so I'm hoping that the follow-on games and the game tomorrow in Boulder is going to go much better. What do you think? Uh, well, TJ, you want to take that first? I, I know that it's it, it looks rough because UCLA was the one time when it was close and you might have been able to get that win, but, but you know, if they're improving. I mean, you never know. I mean, there's still the, – the Beavers did were handling Cal, uh, Stanford at home until they went to overtime and <laughs> yeah. lost. I mean, you never say never. It's weird, though, Mike, because, you know, in this league every year, you, you look at things and you say, you say I, I don't see a win here or I don't see a loss here. Teams. And out of the blue, th- th- it happens. I-, I was pretty surprised it was close 10 minutes into the game last night. Um, I was shocked to, s- to see the way they lost the lead and-, and just didn't score at all for 10 minutes. That was, more- that was disappointing. I thought that- that's not them. But uh, it was last night. Oh. So it's- you're right. It's, uh, it's looking kind of scary for-, for the schedule ahead. Well, we go to Salt Lake and lose by 34 or whatever the math is, it was so big a score I couldn't even do it. I had to do it on a calculator. You know? <laughs> so that's concerning. And I think there's some injuries and things like that. And then the post game, um, it sounded like both the announcer and the coach were very dejected about the about the performance. So yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm praying. And the other thing is, so uh, 
So the conversation yesterday and previous days about streaming and the future. So TJ, is there any way in the data you know, that we're all able to see to find out households by market that has subscribed to a certain platform? Ooh, I don't know if that's publicly available data. I don't know. I don't know if that's. Because, I, I don't know if the networks would make that available. Yeah, yeah, because because we like to look at that playoff game on Peacock mm-hmm. and say it got twenty five or thirty million, but that product was NFL, right? Sure, right. And so, uh, if you watch, if you watch pickleball, which is on a platform and it comes through great, it doesn't buffer, it doesn't. Uh, I would think that the numbers are smaller. So now if we, if we equate this to Oregon State football and other athletic sports, it'd be interesting to know how many Beaver fans are going to sign up for the platform and then keep the subscription. Because I was in a little bit of a war last night on Facebook. There's people that are talking about the baseball down here in Surprise. And it's not... It's not streamed by the schools. It's on Mm-mm. the flow network, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a paywall, I do believe. Mm-hmm. But there was Beaver fans on there saying, well, I'll just sign up and then cancel. And that could be why, uh, as we went into this whole thing with football, that the two smallest schools in the Pac-12 are left behind because we have that idea and that mentality that I don't want to pay for this subscription very long to see my own team. And so if it's not going to be free, or if I can't go see it in a bar, then I won't do it. And, yep. and I would think that mentality may, yep. uh, it's going to get us in trouble long term. I think you're right, Mike. I think you do have a point. Because I, I heard this point brought up, not with Oregon State, with, but with the Mariners as well, and the trouble they're having with their television network is that it all comes down to people you're right, Mike, Having wanting to pay for the product. The more people that want to do that, the more the the better off it is. It, it wouldn't be a problem in the SEC if, if they had those games on there. I think you're right. I think more people would want that. I think that's a fair criticism. Right. Yeah, and, and, and so um, if we go back to, well, I don't know if I came with the board, but, um, <laughs> you know, we have to come to grips with, and I say we, and me too, that if we want to watch our teams that we know and love, and if the future is streaming, like everybody, they hope it is, but they hope it's free, right? Yeah. So if, if, if the games are going to, if Pac-2 games are going to be on Peacock, then you've got to buy a subscription. Yep. If it's on Pac-12 Network or Root, as we know it, or something like that, they're not going to give it away for free with advertising because that model now is broken. And so even ESPN2, you know, I watched that game last night and I got it somehow, I think because I'm a Comcast customer in Seattle and it comes with my $300 a month for Comcast. Mm-hmm. So it's not free. You know what I mean? So, no, it's not. Uh, right. As we go forward, I think we have to look at the numbers of subscriptions of Beaver fan that are willing to pay and keep it, uh, you know, $8 a month for all three major sports and wrestling and all that kind of stuff that we know and love. And women's basketball, 
also, you know, it's probably going to go to a pay model at some point, and we're going to have to we're going to have to keep our numbers up as we go forward. Well, that's why we're here to see the data. I was just going to say that that's why you you know don't give it away for five ninety nine a month. Do it for a package season. In in the in the last few years, in the last ten years, if the Pac twelve network had streamed everything and all you had to do was pay, you know, you had to pay for the year, let's say, and I don't know, hundred bucks, yeah. hundred and fifty bucks, I would have paid for that. I think a lot of people would have to see all the Pac twelve stuff, and they could have had all the games on if they had enough cameras. And just know that anytime you wanted it, you could go to this stream to get it. Instead, you had major carriers that weren't carrying it. Uh, if you didn't have the one side, you, you had to go to a bar, whatever. And it was this big to-do as far as the Pac-12 network getting laughed at by the rest of the country while the Big Ten network and the you know Texas Longhorn network, all of that, was available to virtually everybody. So if they do a full year's, let's say an academic year's worth of subscription, then you won't worry about this drop-off after a specific game or a specific season. Well, I hope so, John, because that's our—that's the future, as you talked about yesterday and the yeah. day before, uh, is streaming. But that means, okay, just like the newspapers, right? Uh, and you talk about, you know, okay, John Wilmer's behind a paywall. He's got really good stuff, but it's behind a paywall, and that one just doesn't make the cut, although it's good stuff. And so it's going to be interesting to watch as we go forward. And I, I support streaming and the platforms. They work great. But at some point, you got to log in and put a credit card. Mm-hmm. And that price point is, uh, is the tough, tough part. And people, I think, sometimes go, well, I don't like this concept, so I'm just not going to do it. And I'll listen on the radio, which that, then helps you yeah, guys. That but, could you know, be. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to watch Watch as we go forward. Have a good day. Thanks, man. That's uh, Mike from Arizona by way of Seattle or the other way around. All right, Elijah Hainline, who will most likely be starting at shortstop for Oregon State coming up. He's a transfer from Washington State, and he's up next on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, we continue on here with the, uh, the Joe Beaver Show. Lots to talk about on Mike's phone call. We can do here in a little bit, but right now we want to talk some Beaver baseball. We're just 28 days away. Are you ready for that, TJ? Yeah. 28 days away from Beaver Baseball. February 16th, I believe it is, a Friday. And it's, uh, it's right here on 1240 Joe Radio all season long. We're doing the 15-minute pregame pregame uh, with TJ and then, uh, and then, of course, Mike with all the calls. Josh Worden will call the surprise games. And then they go to Arlington for some really good games in Arlington. And Josh is going to do that, too, because he's living in Frisco, which is nearby. And then uh, they come home for a pretty good home schedule. Now, I believe this will be our first baseball player yet this year that that we've talked to, you and I, because I know Mike and I have talked with a coach, but not an actual baseball player. And this player is a transfer from Washington State, so brand new to Oregon State. Elijah Hainline, a 5'10 junior from from the Cougars, a couple of games. Welcome to uh, Oregon State, Elijah, and the Joe Beaver Show. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Very well, very well. I've, I've looked over your numbers. You had great numbers first two years at, at Washington State. Things were going really well. You end up over here. As much as you want to share as to uh, you know how that happened and why it might have happened, uh, we'd be interested in knowing. I mean, it's great that you're here, but what precipitated the, the move? Uh, I think just the process kind of started with the coaches at, at Washington State kind of leaving, and it kind of opened the door for me to 
take a take a look around and see what see what was out there in the transfer portal and see what she would kind of help me development wise take the next step as as we headed the pro ball in the next next year or so and kind of just taking that step and Oregon State came calling and I mean obviously there's familiarity in the Pac-12 with with that and then being in the Northwest I think think that's always something that I've enjoyed um, but the coaching staff was amazing and then I got really really close with uh, Travis Bazana who who I live with right now I think he did a really good job at kind of just being a good friend and I guess just having a good relationship with him before kind of sparked that and made made some interest in to come into Oregon State. Did Oregon State look at you out of high school? Did you have any other relationships with coaches from camps or anything like that before you chose to go to Washington State? Um, Ryan Gibson did stuff with Baseball Northwest. I didn't really know him super well, but but he had seen me before. But uh, other than that, I had committed to Washington State really early on in high school, so I didn't really get the chance to to explore a whole lot of options out of high school and when in terms of recruiting. So I guess I didn't really get that that close relationship right out of high school with him. Elijah Hainline joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show, transfer shortstop from Washington State. Where did that relationship with Travis Bazana start? Uh, kind of just playing against each other overall, I think. Just playing the last two years against each other, and then we were down in the Cape for a little bit, and we played against each other down there and had a couple talks down there and kind of kind of just sparked a relationship, I guess, just over the phone and, and talking in person during games or, or when playing against each other during the season. So kind of just a, a pretty easy relationship to get into where it wasn't really something that it kind of just happened naturally, I'd say. Has he explained cricket to you yet? <laughs> say that again? Has he explained cricket to you yet, the sport? Oh, he he's tried. He's got his cricket paddle out in the garage and stuff, but I don't think I'm I'm gonna be trying to pick that one up anytime soon. That's funny. Oh, you haven't tried to swing it? <laughs> I I've swung it a few times, but I don't know the I don't know the form. There's there's some different form about it, I guess. Yeah, very very different, very different. Elijah Hainline joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. You, from what I read at Washington State, you spent a lot of time at third base, some at second, shortstop. How's that coming along for you? Um, shortstop's always been the position that I grew up playing. I, I came into Washington State as a shortstop. Like the plan was, was to go in there and, and try and take a job at shortstop. We had a we had an older uh, shortstop there, Cody Colvin, who came in before before me and was there for quite a few years and was the starting shortstop there. So having the versatility to play shortstop and then then last year uh, moved over to second base, kind of up the middle again. Again, someone older who had a little more experience over there. I guess just took the spot, and then uh, this is the year that I feel like I definitely wanted to, to step into the spotlight of, of playing shortstop and, I guess, showcase my ability to play there since that's always been my position growing up and where I feel like I can stay through throughout uh, the next years of playing baseball. So you guys visited when you were at the Cougars, visited Oregon State last season. Did, did you make some sort of mental note when you're walking around there for a weekend series, seeing the crowd, seeing the energy, and seeing everything that Beaver Baseball has to offer? You can definitely see it. I mean, the culture here that you walk into the stadium and, and you know who you're playing. Like, you see the big home of the national champions out on the scoreboard. So it definitely, definitely puts that in your mind. And then seeing the crowd just show up for, for just a random – random game during Pac-12, like every single game had a good amount of fans and they're right on top of you. So you definitely feel the environment 
among them. And then obviously you're looking across the field and you're playing a team that you know is, has got a great culture and a great program throughout many years. They've won the national championship three times already. So that definitely puts it in your mind that you're playing someone big. So it definitely, I definitely thought about that, especially during the portal time was, yeah, that's a, that's a serious team. Now you're here now, but you took two of three at that point. How, how Jack were you guys to do that? I mean, it was kind of a statement game for us. I mean, we got ranked right after that, and it was it was really cool to, to I guess, have that moment. And coming coming here now, I I mean, I get to I get to have that little the edge on people and say, yeah, we beat you guys though. So <laughs> <laughs> Elijah Hamline joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. I mean, we were taking a look at what the projected lineup for you guys will look like this the, coming up here in about a month, and I, I'm I'm pretty impressed. I think you guys are going to score a lot of runs. Has it been? Is it? Uh, you're there at practice, you know, swinging and hitting with all these guys. Is it as impressive watching the rest of these guys hit alongside yourself as we think so on the outside? I mean, everyone here has the ability to hit very, very high level, especially in the Pac-12. I mean, every single guy that you see on the lineup is is going to be making a huge impact this year and has the potential to be a all Pac-12 player. Like, there's not a single guy on the lineup that can't. Um, and then also just with depth too, we have a lot of guys like deeper that might not even uh, reach the starting lineup the first weekend that that has the ability to play that start at any other any other Pac-12 school in the in the country. So I guess it kind of just shows the the recruiting aspect and how well the coaches have done with that, but also just the development piece that that they have here. I mean, every single player has the ability to be successful, but I mean offensively is amazing, but we don't get enough talk about our pitching staff. I think they do an extremely, extremely good job with with how they've recruited guys, bringing in Aiden May and stuff like that. So I think bringing in those guys, you're definitely going to see a really, really good team this year. Okay, so then who's the hardest guy to face? I mean, there's guys for me like Aiden Hutchinson. He's, a, he's definitely a harder guy. He's I mean, he's always good, but Aiden May. I mean, the guy, the guy's got plus plus stuff in every single, every single thing that he does. So he's a really good, he's a really good guy, really good competitor too. So he'll be a guy to definitely look out for this year. That I think will have a massive year on the mound. Elijah Hainline joining us here for a few more minutes on the Joe Beaver Show. The differences. Do you, do you notice? Is there anything about about Mitch and 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 Gippy and these guys, Rich, uh, and and how they go about things at Oregon State? being the blue blood level of program that they are have you noticed anything since being there i mean we just have a culture of winning they they know that they have that culture that's built into the program i think it's already been here for many many years and and they're just continuing it i think they hold us to a really high standard and and they want us to work and and they don't want us to miss any details as we get into the season because the details matter and that's that's the little things that help you go go further but guys like like Mitch and, and especially our hitting coach, they take a lot of time to, to really go into into depth on the details. And I know Dor does a really good job with, with our pitchers on, on really focusing on the details and going into the, the little aspects of the game. But coaches that don't get a lot of recognition, like Zach Taylor, he, he came in this year and he's done an extremely good job with our mental side of the game. He, he's done a lot of stuff with psychology and, and has brought that in. So we do a lot of meditation and a lot of visualization stuff that, it doesn't go unnoticed, and it's just the little things and the little people behind the scenes that a lot of people might not see that really help make this program so 
uh, pristine and, and amazing. I don't want to make too much about the elephant in the room, and that is the way that the, the, the situation that the Cougars and Beavers are in. I know you follow it, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're buckling down with fall ball, and now you're, you're quiet now until you guys get to hit the field before the season gets started. But when you were thinking of moving, did that sway you at all? Clearly it didn't because you're here, but did you think about it as to uh, what the uncertainty was at that time? Because now there is certainty, and it looks like baseball will go for at least for the next two years independent, which means you guys can have some killer schedules. And it shouldn't impact anything as far as getting to, you know, the regional supers and, and hopefully Omaha. But when you were making the decision, did that play a role at all? I wouldn't say it really played much of a role for me, especially I think as as I head into my junior year draft year, obviously if everything goes well, I'll get drafted and, and it really won't affect me being the last year of the Pac-12. But um, I mean, in baseball, it, it really doesn't affect a whole lot just because you can schedule a, a power five schedule either way, no matter what, like with us going independent and stuff like that, you can still schedule a power five, like schedule we might not be within a, in like a, I guess like a conference or anything like that, but you can still schedule games midweeks and stuff like that to, to still schedule a, a really good RPI schedule. So for me, it really didn't play too much of a factor, but I know that, that a lot of people have talked about it, but I mean, that's outside noise right now, especially this year. And I know the coaches are handling it really well. And there's a lot of people within Oregon state that are handling it well and Washington state too, in that regard. So I think it really, as our job is to not really focus too much on it and, and just play our game and let the outside noise just be outside noise, but focus in, uh, among ourselves and kind of just make a run at what we want to do and what we can do and let everything else take care of itself. Elijah, you're a Northwest kid. You grew up in Spokane. Did you know about the Beavers? What was the, the hierarchy of baseball in your life growing up? Was it Mariners first, college baseball second? Were you a little bit more aware of the Beavers? What was that like? Um, I mean, I was always a Texas Ranger fan. Actually. Oh, okay. So I my my favorite player growing up was Adrian Beltre, so oh, I kind of followed choice. him to the Rangers when I started really getting into baseball and stuff like that. But obviously, as you get a little older and, and college starts to become a little more more known, like I was going to Gonzaga baseball games growing up a lot, so that was always the team that I followed. But you watch videos on stuff like that and watch the TV, especially in 2018 when you're in high school or whatever, and. And uh, you see this team make a run at it, and you realize they're not too far away from where you are. So it definitely puts that into your mind that, that you know Oregon State's a real program growing up, especially after seeing them win the national championship. But I definitely would say that, that I was more focused on professional baseball. And then as, as you get a little older, you, you see a little bit more of the, the college aspect of it. Was it Beltre, like when you picked up on Adrian Beltre, was, it, was he when? when he was already with the Texas Rangers, or did you just see him on TV a little bit more with, the, more with the Mariners first, and then he goes over to Texas, and that's when you really start picking up on it? Uh, he was with the Mariners at the time, so I followed him from the Mariners to the Red Sox and everything like that, and then then to the Texas Rangers for that for that bit. But I guess really just I really got into it when he was with the Mariners, but really got into it when he was with the Rangers. I think that's when I more paid attention to it and understood it a lot better. So he was always my favorite player and watched him play, so. Good. It was more with the Rangers. Yeah, we're, we're good the, choice. He's a lot of fun. Were the Huskies ever on your radar? Uh, not really. I mean, I knew they're a good program and they do their thing, but I was always a Washington State kind of kid. So growing up, it was always it was always Cougars over Huskies. The Huskies 
never got the never got the win there, especially growing up. So no, it makes sense. Never... Makes sense. Eastern Eastern Washington kid. Hey Elijah, thanks for taking time out for us. I hope to chat in the future here during this season as it comes up. It's uh, so everybody is so excited here. You're gonna be blown away by Beaver fan and how how they get into each and every single game, even if it's a Tuesday night and it's raining. People will go nuts. So thanks for taking time out for us. Best of luck to you this year and take care. Thank you. I appreciate it. Go Beavs. All right. There you go. He's already got it down. Go Beavs. Elijah Hainline, who's probably penciled in to be shortstop for Oregon State in that killer offensive lineup for uh, for the Beavers. And, and he was touting the pitching staff. So. Mm, the, Aiden May especially. <coughs> I'm Wildcat about last him. year. First, it's funny because I went to school with an Aiden May. Totally different. Not a, not a baseball player in any sense of the way. So I think <laughs> that's kind of funny. But he, I, this dude throws cheddar. Yeah. He'd be a good. He'd be a good guy to talk to down oh, down the stretch yeah. here before we get into the season. No doubt, no doubt. All right, let's take a break. A thank again. Our thanks to Elijah Haynes, who's a transfer from Washington State, and already everybody's very excited about him. Take your phone calls at twelve. Uh, what do we have at twelve oh five? Is it or twelve thirty? Yeah, Gabe Wisenhunt at twelve oh five. All right, that's coming up here in just a little bit on twelve forty. Joe Radio. Not that somehow that snuck through. All right, we continue. Boy, great kid. Elijah Haynes, really good answers. Hainline. I'm sorry, Hainline. Really good answers. Not just like, oh, you know, he can talk. I mean, he was breaking it down. He was, uh, he was ready to, to go on and be an analyst on one of the radio coverages. He is. Uh, I think this is a good transition into, to finish up Mike yeah. from Seattle's yeah. thought, which so, I was thinking about. Uh, so he's like, okay, so the summary of Mike's call was, hey, if people want to support these sports and want the the beavers to be relevant, right? You got to put your money where your mouth is. You're going to have to pay for products. And I couldn't think of anything better, a better example of that than baseball. Yes. Because they're not going to be in a conference. They're not going to have any conference affiliation and they are going to have to find some way to put their home games on some sort of platform. So if the beavers come out and say, Hey, you can get every home game on streaming television, whatever for $150 a year. Would you pay that? Yes. Yep. I think most people would. They would. All the home games, however many home games there are in a season, everyone would pay for that. So then it, you st- we start going down other sports. Okay, do you want to watch this? Hmm, are you going to pay for this? Hmm, maybe, maybe e- not. E- each sport, depending on, on how it's doing, the level, whatever, the fan mm-hmm. base, each sport would have a different answer. And the, how they're doing. Basketball, yeah. for example, might be a harder sell. It, it might be. And there's a reason why the support levels are different for the different programs, you know, baseball, they have their new batting cages. Mm-hmm. They have the, the Jacoby Ellsbury clubhouse. Goss stadium looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Plenty of people like ready to open their checkbooks and help out that program, pay coaches salaries yeah. NIL money for players to keep them here. And all these things, no issue with baseball. And they, they all have no issue operating on their own because they have built such enormous support. Right. But with that support, there's a reason why it's so stable there and less stable in other places because the support is not the same. And even even if you might not like everything that goes on in a certain sport or way uh, some the way something something operates and and you don't like it, the the support still needs to be there if they're going to sell you an, an a la carte model. As Mike said, there needs to be somehow whether it be buying a cable package, buying an a la carte thing where you have to put your money where your mouth is. And make the school and the programs relevant. 
Yes, I, I agree. And like I was saying earlier, if you go five ninety nine for a month, then then too many people have that ease with which they can sign up for a game and then drop it off. I think collegiately it would be a season, maybe even into the pros. I don't know, but it would be a season type of situation mm -hmm. where where you're going to have to really commit. That way they don't lose money when things don't go their way mm -hmm. or things like that. Now you and I were talking off the air, and it kind of goes with what you just brought up about. Would you pay $150 for baseball to see it streamed? And the answer is yes. So the answer I had to Mike, which kind of goes in hand in hand with this topic right here, is that if, if things are just shuffled, in other words, if you don't need to sign up for YouTube TV or DirecTV or Comcast so that you can get all your, fun, your, famous, your favorite sports channels, if you don't need that anymore... <coughs> excuse me, because they are all a card on their own and you're paying extra, then you've just shifted that money over to the, the, the a la carte stuff on streaming and you're not out, out more money. Now, you're still going to want that because you're, you know, you're, you're not everybody in your household is, is just all sports. You want to have some news channels. You want to have a few entertainment channels, things like that, but get a basic package. So you're, you're, you're maybe spending a little more, but not completely a lot more. In other words, they're shifting rather than piling on. Mm -hmm. So I think that if that's true, then there will be minimal effect. In other words, people can go, oh, heck yeah, I want this baseball package and then, or, or, or whatever, but I don't have to pay as much for... Now, if you let go of something that you're not losing anything to pay for the other thing, then you're just shifting your money. You're not, mm -hmm. you're not being asked to pay more money. Now, there might be some increase total to your entertainment budget, to the average person's entertainment budget. It might be a slight increase if they're shifting things around or a big increase if they're not shifting anything. They're just adding to it. Then you have to make choices, like he used his example for Wilner. Do you go Wilner? Do you go Kenzano? Do you go uh, what any other paywall thing that you really like? The Athletic. I mean, I'm paying for the Oregonian, I'm paying for Kenzano, and I'm paying for the Athletic. Those are three really good sources. Yeah. But I want Wilner. But I, I can't. I mean, I can. But everybody has what we call in the in the radio business or the sales business a will buy line. I will buy on uh, at this, but I won't buy at this. So for me, I know I'm missing out, but I don't do Wilner. I do the other three. Mm -hmm. So, and you cover most of your bases. Right. And, and that's what I think that would happen under, um, under Mike's question is if there's some shifting to the point where you're increasing maybe a little bit, I think a lot of people will do it. But if it's a huge increase, then people will say, mm, I, I can't make that work. Or if there's no increase at all, then everybody will be great. This is great because, like, I already have Prime for movies and for getting online to buy things, gifts and stuff. So... Adding sports to Prime is no, no addition to me. Mm -hmm. It's just like, great, I can watch the game on Prime. I already have that. I wonder how they would bundle it. How would they bundle it? So the basketball teams have the West Coast Conference affiliation. That's taken care of. They will be in the West Coast Conference's media deal, right. both home and away games. Whatever that is. Whatever that is, which is it's a combination of ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Okay. So there will be options. and they, they have it. That's set. That's done. But football doesn't. Uh, now, mm -hmm. still waiting to see, would they package, say, football and baseball together? What, what, or would those be two different operations? It would, be, it would be more justifiable for the general fan to say, hey, if you threw football and baseball together in a package, I would buy it. It's easier to justify. That's better yeah. to do that. Yeah. 
but what if they're like, hey, we want to do this level of production for football, and it's going to be distributed here, but baseball's not. Uh-huh. Because you can't justify college baseball to go on a, a major streaming platform because it just doesn't get the viewers that not in the as good as the Beaver program is doesn't get the viewers that right. that power football does football's king. So how do you do that? Do you have to split them up then? And people are like, well, do I have to buy football and baseball? It's how it's however they package it. It's however the uh, the brains behind the whole economics of it go, mm-hmm. and they should know before they get involved. They should have a good research on on what people are willing to do before getting you know making those decisions because mm-hmm. they should know going in. Well, people will buy this and this, but they won't buy that and mm-hmm. this. So that that's all remains to be seen. But a really good question by Mike to spur some conversation about it because there will be some more out of pocket, and there will be, as he says, you, you're going to need to to support the team, not just go. Five ninety nine, and then cancel. Which I need to remember to do that with Peacock. Mm-hmm. And you could say, "Well, I'll just, I'll just listen to the games. I, I, I have no problem just listening to the games." But eventually, you're going to want to watch the game. Right. Like listening only gets you so far. I listen to a lot of games walking around, but you really can't get the full picture of anything just listening to the game. So you're going to want to physically sit there and watch everything that goes on in front of you. So that, that'll be something to consider. Um, some people are willing to give that up. And, hey, you know, if you don't want to watch TV anymore and you just want to listen and you want to read, I think that'll be, uh, that'll be up to you. So that's, uh, that's good. Coming up here at the top of the hour, we'll have Gabe Wisenhunt, a graduate of Crescent Valley High School and a native here of Corvallis, 16-8 and eight here in his second season wrestling at OSU. The Beavers will take on Cal Poly tonight at Gil, Gil Coliseum at six o'clock so that'll look good i'll be there to do the pa that'll be uh that'll be quite interesting so uh, that'll be good looking forward to chatting with gabe wisenhunt who i don't believe we've had here on the joe beaver show before so that'll be good to have gabe on all right that's coming up um hour number two here in just a few minutes it is 12 o'clock It's true. Everywhere things are changing. <sighs> But even as Beaver football enters a new era, from an old tempo to a new tempo. Here we come a lot of number 29 in. What did he going to get? 25 to get 30 now. In the world show, it's still John Warren. I heard he speaks eight languages. And on top of everything else, holds a degree in medicine as well as law. He's very attractive. And Mike Parker, director of Woody Repartee. Hello. Hello! Hello! So the more things change, the more they remain the same. Hi, diddle, diddle, captain the fiddle. This time I think we go through the middle. Hi! Well, I'll see you later, and uh, we'll have another little conversation. It's the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. All right. 
And when that was a short break, you know, we never stopped. TJ and I never stopped. Mike and I do the same thing. Uh, we just keep talking about what we've been talking about because we'd be doing this if we were in the hallway uh, arguing about sports. And uh, we just we, that's what we do here on the Joe Beaver Show. Uh, it has made for some really good conversation, but we're going to switch lanes now and talk wrestling because the wrestlers are at home tonight against Cal Poly at 6 o'clock. It, we did find out it is a single mat. Thanks, Reynolds. Uh-oh. So you're going Michael Buffer tonight. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's great. I'm fine so with that. That'll be fun. Our uh, guest, Gabe Wisenhunt, a uh, sophomore from right here in Corvallis, Crescent Valley High School. Uh, TJ will be the guy. Uh, TJ, who will ask you some questions here. Yeah. He'll, he'll be the guy introing you yeah, guys. Yeah, Gabe, did uh, I do a good job last time? Sorry, what was that? Yeah, well, the, the Michael Buffer introductions in the middle of the mat. How'd I do last time? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought it was awesome, too. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Gabe, when there's, you know, the marketing and, and teams and stuff are always looking for new angles. When they do things like bring in the band and the cheerleaders and, and do the single mat, you know, and, and, and have a Michael Buffer type of uh, announcing. Do you guys like that? Do, do the kids, the young athletes like it when, when there's more bells and whistles to things? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it adds to the show. Um, the Michael Buffer uh, introduction was pretty cool, and just having kind of like all the Beaver Nation there, just, uh, I don't know. As a kid, when I was growing up and coming to Gill, it just uh, it made it a lot more enjoyable, I guess, a cooler environment. Sure. What do you remember about those times coming, going to Gill? Um, I remember just... Uh, I was sitting there. We used to make signs. Me and uh, the back when Orange Crush Wrestling Club was a thing, and I don't know. It was it was awesome. I always used to watch that, and I just picture myself out there one day, and yeah. Get, get, sorry, TJ. No, go ahead. Cut you off. Go ahead. When did your father um, and your mom compete athletically at Oregon State? Uh think later 90s is when they were there wow i'm getting really old <laughs> when the athletes parents were competing here yeah your, your dad josh wrestled for the beavers and uh your mom yeah. b was a gymnast that's really cool stuff so it was a was it a slam dunk that you were going to oregon state then yeah i had, didn't really have much interest in any other place I, this was uh the only thing that was on my mind well, that's good, Gabe. Gabe Wisenhunt, sophomore wrestler, graduate of Crescent Valley High School, joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. What was it like having Penn State here? I mean, Penn State is the the standard of, of collegiate wrestling programs, and, uh, and they came in here and they, they performed well, but I'm sure you guys, when you go in there, you, you invite that sort of matchup. So, so like, what was that like for you getting to face off against them? Um, you know, it was awesome. It was That's that's the kind of stuff we need. Uh, we got to go to state college last year and to have them at home in Gill this year was, uh, was something else. It was, it was cool that we had, uh, 9,000 fans in there. It was, I don't know. It was an unbelievable experience. And that moment that Trey Munoz had when when he when he got the when he got the win and, and the whole crowd could finally have something to to get behind and, and and cheer for is that not the most motivating thing with the the biggest modern crowd you guys have had? No, for sure. Having something like that and everybody getting on their feet just uh, 
he gets everybody going. He gets us going on the bench. And, I mean, when you got people winning and making things exciting, that's all you need for motivation. What does someone like you learn from from wrestling against guys like Penn State? I forget exactly who you were matched up against, but you know, just sort of the strategy they use and, and the technique they use and, and how they attack. What what do you learn from that? Um, you know, it's always a learning experience. Um, I don't think our team is far off from what they're doing. I think we're right there. We just have to kind of dial in on some things and uh, always get better, you know. Gabe Wisenhunt, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show from right here in Corvallis, Crescent Valley High School, and uh, a, uh, a tremendous sophomore uh, wrestler for Oregon State this year. Gabe, when you, you won five straight, or four straight, sorry, four straight 5A state championships, you blow through high school, you're dominating, and you get to college, and you open very well, very well last year, your freshman year. Was there ever a point where you thought, this is a different game, these guys are bigger, faster, stronger, or did you transition fairly easily and uh, wrestled enough tournaments and other things like that where it wasn't too shocking of a difference between high school and college? Um, it wasn't as shocking of a difference as I expected, but it is a different ballgame, that's for sure. Um, I think I did I transitioned pretty well. Um, but I wouldn't say it's a a crazy difference. What do you love about wrestling? Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I love the competition, the the brotherhood of the teammates and coaches, and just uh, everything that it teaches you. Wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything else. When when Chris Pendleton is is reaching out to to recruit you at Crescent Valley High School, I mean, you said it was a pretty easy decision for you, but I would imagine there was something he said to you that really clicked. What was it? Oh shoot, I don't know. That's a long time ago. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm pretty sure I committed here like probably two weeks after recruiting opened up. Wow, but. uh I remember having a Zoom call with him, and I was actually in Idaho at the time, and uh, it was pretty cool. That, that one kind of sealed the deal. Were you were you aware of his collegiate uh, accolades? I mean, he, he dominated at Oklahoma State. Uh, surprisingly, no. I actually didn't. I mean, I probably watched him wrestle at the NCAAs because we'd always watch the finals matches when I was growing up. But uh, I didn't know really know who he was until he got hired here, and then I did some research. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe Wisenhunt, our, our guest, joining us here on uh, on the Joe Beaver Show. So you guys have a quick turnaround this weekend. What is that like for recovery purposes to wrestle on a senior night here at home, and then forty eight hours later, less. you guys are less than that. You guys are on the road. Uh, in a hostile environment, wrestling again against a very good program. Uh, how do you how do you get efficient in in, in that recovery sense? Um, we we stay on top of our recovery. We have a little gear bag that we bring with us, um, so it's not like a major concern. Um, but 
not never worried about that kind of stuff. Do you and Nash Singleton wrestle in practice? Uh, yeah, he's a little bit bigger than me, but we do wrestle every now and then. Because I'm reading here he was your only loss in high school. Does he uh, lord that over you? <laughs> um, <laughs> not, not often. Sometimes we we uh, give each other some crap back and forth. But yeah. I used to wrestle him ever since I was probably 40 pounds all the way up through high school, and now we're on the same team. Wow, that's pretty cool. Wrestling is a smaller community in, in Oregon, isn't it? You knew a lot of guys when you were wrestling at State? Yeah, I was uh, pretty good friends with a lot of a lot of guys around the state. Wrestling in Oregon isn't super popular. We're working on bringing those numbers up, and I think we're doing good. But it uh, allows for a small world and a pretty tight-knit community. And your opponent tonight, What, uh, what what's the scouting report? Um, for tonight's duel? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Looking forward to it. Uh, we had a week off, so getting a little excited to compete. It's been a while, and uh, ready to go have some fun. All right, Gabe. We really appreciate your time. Best of luck tonight. Have fun in front of a big crowd and the the center mat and all the attention, and enjoy it. And then have fun in the environment that will be Sunday at number four, Oklahoma State. That'll be wild, too. Uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, Thanks, Gabe. Exciting. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. Take Thank care. Thanks for having me. All right, Gabe Wisenhunt joining us from the wrestling program, and uh, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Only two, two at Gill this year. I, mm-hmm. One in Hillsborough. I don't know what that is, a tournament, but... Um, yeah, that's not As Chris said, still working out the sort of inadequacies of the COVID scheduling, and it was oh, like yeah. a lot, a lot yeah. one year, not a lot the other year, and eventually it'll sort to yeah, balance yeah. itself out, and that'll be good. But it should be a good crowd tonight, senior night. Go support the wrestling team. That should be uh, that should be a ton of fun. And don't try and shout at me if I mispronounce something. <laughs> I'm gonna let's take a break. We'll okay. get back and then finish out the hour with uh, phone calls and texts. We got a number of texts that have come in on things that we have discussed. So we, uh, we talk some baseball and we talk some wrestling today here on the Joe Beaver Show. We're also uh, continuing to talk about where we're headed because the ground is shaky when it comes to uh, next year and beyond. I know there's some things that have been settled, but are, is it going to be settled? And, you know, I, I got to admit, for as much as I hate what the situation is that we're all in, as Beaver fan and as uh, fans of the, of the conference, we're just kind of numbingly going through it, TJ, as we go to break. Just something to think about for perhaps some phone calls or texts. We're kind of numbingly going through it like, all right, like because it's been the same way for over 100 years and for us, for all our lives, starting with it's like, oh, okay, nothing's different. Well, it will be. It'll be a shock to the system. But I'm very excited to see how it plays out, even with the wretched 10 that left. I can't wait to see how each and every team does in their new conference next year, starting with the sport of football and everything else. I just, I, I really can't wait. And I can't wait for next year's baseball schedule to come out, which will be a long time, but it'll be independent. You know it's going to be loaded with some blue bloods, and there may be some blue bloods that come here because you got to fill 56 games. Mm-hmm. Things to think about. What do you think as we uh, give you the phone numbers? Downward Dog phone number is 541-497-5356. And the... Uh, 
The University Honda text line is the same, 541-497-5356. Thanks to uh, Gabe Wisenhunt right there. Back after this with more on 1240 Joe Radio. Continuing here with the Joe Beaver Show. All right, TJ. TJ is wearing an Oregon State Beaver shirt. This is the only. This is the first time I've ever worn Oregon State garb in the studio. I know. I've never seen you in anything other than normal clothes or Arizona State clothes. Mm. How do you feel? Proud? Uh, yeah, because you're doing the right thing. Um, where your heart is, I don't know. Even you know what? Even if your heart's still with ASU, I don't care. The job is a job, and, and you, I think it looks good. You root for who writes you for your paycheck, and it looks good. I just want to respond to a, a couple of text messages, and, and and I understand that some people would rather listen to the game on the radio. Curtis texted in, Dave and Sandius texted in, and that is perfectly okay if you would like to listen to the game on the radio. Yes, and because I'll say, people people grow up listening to the game on the radio. Yeah, like yeah, you said, I'm I in a generation where we love grew up listening to it on the radio, and you can love listening to the radio. But here's what I will say with that, and what uh, and what Mike in Seattle was talking about: the coaches' salaries, the 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 exposure, the relevancy of the program is not driven through radio advertising. No, so just understand that. If Oregon State football comes out with their schedule next season and their home games and they're going to ask you to open up your wallets and pay for that schedule and you you sit there and you think about it and like, well, uh, I would probably rather just listen to all the games on the radio and that's fine. But understand what happens when you make that decision and the multitude of other people who think that way make that decision because it will, in this case more than ever, without a long-term guaranteed TV deal brokered through another network, directly affect the school, directly affect revenue, paying coaches, keeping coaches in the future, and, and, and everything else that comes yeah, with yeah. that. Yeah, okay, you're not wrong. Let's clarify one thing, though. This is on this this uh, semi-fantasy slash possible reality of more and more sports being offered up a la carte on stream, mm-hmm. right? As of right now, that's not happening. But it could very well be going that way especially for Oregon State and Washington State. Who knows where media revenue is going to come from? In fact, I want to proffer a, a possibility. Would there be someone who could, who could take the, the Pac-12 Network's cameras and studio and all of it? Because it, Cougars and Beavers own that now, and it's just sitting there collecting dust after this year. Could someone, dis, could they say, let's take this in, in-house, have our own servers and create our own streaming platform that isn't Prime or Apple. Can someone do that? How hard would that be to do? I'm not saying it's hard. I'm saying how hard would that be to do? Here's my response to that. So the Pac-12 network is a failure because they did not – The con- a, a athletic conference thought they knew how to run a television network. They did not, and it has failed epically. ESPN knows how to run a television network. Fox knows how to run a television network. NBC knows how to run a television network. Well, how do but, you define fail, failed epically? Well, it's gone. It's going to be gone. Well, it's going to be gone because there's no conference. Not because they're, they're, they failed. And the Pac-12 the camera, network is in. The is, Pac-12 network, we'll just get on the same page. Sure. Patton, uh, camera work was, was top-notch. Broadcasters mm-hmm. were good. Broadcasters were good. You're the, right. The, the talent the, was the good. The graphics, the stuff like that, all good. Um, for the most part, they had ads. They, they weren't just running PSAs, so they were making some sales. And they are, so, I mean, it, it failed epically 
from leadership not getting it on to a major platform that for 10 years and, made it to where no one could see it, that was the major failure. But I think the actual execution of it wasn't a failure. And if you could run a television network properly, that wouldn't be the case. You would be able to watch it all over the country, but it's but it not the case. But it isn't running the actual game ops. It's running the, it's running the, yeah, all the TV aspects. part of it from the top, mm-hmm. which is Larry Scott. Right. And who did not know how to run a television right. network. And that is the that is the one reason why it failed. So you're saying, okay, why don't we take all this stuff and we'll do everything ourselves? Well, like Oregon Can you State, do that? It's not as easy as, as, as you think. I mean, no, we're, I don't we're think talking it's easy. about I'm wondering how to do it. How to do it? You need to hire some some TV no, professionals. Literally make your own platform. Call it uh, Pack Two Network, but make it to where so who's you in have charge? The servers. So who's, and who's you put it out to the world? Who would be in charge of it? Because Oregon State, I'll say, does not probably does not employ a. If we're talking no, about wanting to have a television right level now, broadcast, no, no, tel- uh, top level, you know, producers, camera people, right, uh, red hats, like all of that, they, sell all of that they have, all advertising, so they have all of that. So if they had to let everybody go, and we're going to bring in Dave right now because this is just a pipe dream, and I'm just floating an idea of doing that. But they have all that, and if they have to let them go, they know who they are and call them back to actually do the execution of the games. Trucks, studios, all of that is done. But my question is, is it possible? Not, I don't know what it, is, what it takes, but is it possible to create your own platform? I mean, you need terabyte after terabyte after terabyte of server space, I guess. But what would go into that? Could the schools themselves, the, the league, the Pac-2, do that themselves? And I'm just floating it out there now. Let's bring in Dave from Tumwater, who uh, wants to talk on a number of other things. Hello, David. Yeah, John uh, and TJ, of potpourri as usual. But let's start where you left off. I would just like to remind both of you that Washington State University has one of the best communication schools in the entire country. It's named after Edward R. Murrow, for crying out loud. I agree. So there's got to, there's got to be the technical and institutional infrastructure over there to give you a passing shot at that. And having thrown so many bouquets at TJ's way uh-huh. earlier in the week, let, let me just let me just challenge him on this uh, one. Okay. Because yes, well, the Pac-12 network failed as a cable TV network in a linear TV dominant paradigm. But that paradigm, TJ, is going away. Therefore, John's idea of transmogrifying the Pac-12 network from linear TV cable to a streaming service makes eminent sense, particularly if you can ground it within the WSU School of Communications uh, institutional infrastructure. I think that's just for for starters. My main pushback, Dave, as someone who also came from a a communication school, all respect uh, in the world to the, the people down at the the Cronkite School at Arizona State, but I just the uh, communication school aspect alone, I don't think is enough to to have that the level of production needed to, to sell people on it. I don't personally. Well, think. For, 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 for just to put this one to bed, it isn't. There's no concern about production value. Everything that's being done right now on the Pac-12 network could be re revised with the same people. You just call them back in. The, the issue, and, uh, and I think Dave understands this, the issue isn't, isn't the execution of, of doing games. All the equipment, all the toys are there. The issue is how to create 
a streaming platform where you don't have to go to Apple mm. and say, will you do this? You don't have to go to Prime. You just say, we're going to do it, and it's going to be on ours. And I have no idea how one would do that. And there's computer people out there right now, and I, I, can, I can just envision them. Dave, just shaking their head like you morons. Look, I'm just floating an idea. And the other thing, too, uh, we know the beavers and cougars are sitting on a war chest, but we're talking a significant investment. Yeah, we don't know. Significant. We don't know. To run all this stuff. Well, TJ, you would would have an insider's uh, knowledge about what a communication school is capable of not. I was uh, in in the history department uh, with the archaic information systems, not this modern gizmography. Uh, so, uh, but I just, uh, just, uh, just to button it up as John wants to here, having two, two communication schools, one named after Ed Murrow, the other after Walter Cronkite, that's pretty blue blood stuff in itself, wouldn't you say, guys? It is. Yeah. And it's not like they're not capable of putting out a television broadcast. For example, Arizona State, they're the, the, Bureau, the news bureau they do runs a newscast for an hour every day on the PBS station in Arizona from five to six, and it looks fine. Like it, it looks fine, but that is you know an hour of programming a week on PBS, opposed to other more complex things like uh, Power Four football. So, uh, that, just my thoughts on that, Dave. All right. What well, else? Let me, well, let me move John to the points that I, I had here in my little checklist when I tiled up. I don't want to get in go into a downer mode. But I did read online this morning. I thought that uh, we had at least until tax day, April 15th, before we had to worry about stuff get, getting uh, cut from under our feet again. But I see that Ryan Gunderson is on those tout lists for the head coaching job down at San Jose State University. Have you guys heard oh anything there locally about that? No, no. And and the fact that you're able to see that, I I was perusing every every sports so you know, indicator that we have leading up to the show and hadn't seen that yet. Yeah, that, that would, that would be just truly distressing, but that's just the world we live in. Uh, you have to just kind of confront it face on. I didn't, again, I don't want to hope it doesn't come to happen. I don't want to alarm anyone, but since it's out there, I thought I'd bring it up. So in the, in the inter- cause I think of myself, John, as your show's best fan. And because of that, I often find things that not criticize exactly. I know you and Mike don't like it when it seems like I'm criticizing it. All I'm trying to do is just simply make it a better show, at least from one frequent caller's perspective. But there's one thing I want in that vein, and one thing I want to clarify because it came in up, came up in yesterday's conversation regarding Oregon State's prospects for the college football playoff. I think it's a kind of shorthand. You guys refer to it. When you say that all that we we, all, we we've got to be the twelfth best team to make the playoffs, that's technically not the case, John and TJ. You've got to be the highest rated non-power football conference program, which could be the twenty-fifth rank. That's a really good country. point. That's a great point. Yeah. Except, so, isn't it? So let, wait, uh, Dave. Let me jump in here. Is it not the the highest rated conference champion? No, the there's, a, there's, a, there's a spot for a, what is now known as a G5, which is... The G5 conference champion, which the Beavers and Cougars aren't, won't have a conference championship game. Yeah, the question... And, yeah, sorry. The question, yeah. Dave, is how will Oregon State and Washington classified? Yeah, so if they have to be classified yeah. as an at-large, then not only would they have to be top 12, well, they have to be top 11-ish, maybe higher. 
than that, depending on well, where the Big 12 champion is ranked at the end of the year, because the Big 12 is a clear notch below the other two. Well, that's a, that's your second <laughs> second good co- correction of of the afternoon, TJ. Because you're right. Because I, I my thought was premised on the fact that uh, Oregon State and Washington State automatically quali- not qualified, but and that's where Kirk Schultz because he's got a vote in all of this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he uh, and there's there's some dominoes yet to fall on that front. But yes, that's a helpful correction to where I was going. But even. But even in that sense, though, guys, we were talking about, well, what record would require Oregon State to qualify? You're, you're saying I'm there to go undefeated, 11-1. Let me just suggest this for your, uh, for your contemplation. With these big super conferences, I think you're going the, 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 the conference championships, the conference champions, they are likely to be at the power four. They are likely to be 11-1, 12-1, and 12-0, et cetera. But the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten schools, the guys, their records are going to be nine and three, eight and four, and so therefore, an Oregon State, a Washington State, who's out there with an eleven-one record, and you guys know how the psychology of this works, John. You've talked about it endlessly. It, it, it doesn't matter who you've beaten; it's what your record looks like in, around Thanksgiving time. And so, if you've got a gaggle of eight and three teams. They're good teams. They're going to make the 12-team uh, uh, playoff, but their records are 8-3, 9-3, 8-4. and, three, uh, nine and, three, eight and, four. Uh, and Then you've got a, an outlier. You've got a group of five champions. You've got an Oregon State, a Washington State that's 11-1. and one. John, I'm just saying that number and that dynamic looks pretty compelling in order to get your team into the playoff. What David, do you think about that? Uh, you're, you're, you're echoing, parroting what I've said. I'm standalone. I'm uh, taking on the heat from the from the texters and from TJ and even Mike. I'm taking on the heat because it's like, well, wait a second. You know, you, we're only we're, we aren't even yet removed from being a Power Five team. So let's say you're plucking along and you've only got one loss, and it was to say Oregon, who's way up there, assuming, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, what? You're no good because you you do that now. You do that in the last five years. You go eleven and one. You're going to be in the top ten. If you're if you're a smaller school, you'll be in the top fifteen certainly. If you're a, a group of five school, if you're if you're ripping along with only one loss late into the season, so uh, you and I are in, in agreement. But I think what the others are saying has some merit too. And here's what it depends on, Dave. As you were saying that, I, I finally came up because for me personally in life and for this show, I it always seems like it boils down to one thing. Well, what's that one thing? Well, in this case, that one thing is how is the rest of the country of college football going to view the Cougars and Beavers? Is it going to be like same old, same old? Or is it going to be like a, a harsh, we don't want to play with you anymore. You, you, we, you're no good. You, you don't, we don't even recognize you, and we're not talked about, and the attitude will be really sour because we're the only two kind of like I don't know, just picking on the, the ones that are the weakest and the smallest, even though that's not true. If the rest of college football turns on us, then yeah, you got to go undefeated and you got to have uh, community service in order to get into the top 12. But if they don't really pay attention and, and think of us as still being in a power five, even though we're not, because they're not paying attention, then when they start to pay attention down the road and you're eight and one, nine and one, or seven and, and one, then they, if they haven't turned on us, 
then I think there's merit that absolutely they should be in the top 12. So what do you think about that boil down? Well, I would say that as, as, uh, I, think, I think there's general consensus in the, in, uh, both within your, the people calling you show, the three of you, and, and, and more, uh, more generally. We, have, we can only think about and, and toy with the ramifications within a two-year window because there's actually really no point in looking any farther downstream than that. Therefore, John, I would say, in answer to your question, I think Oregon State and Washington State are close enough to the halo effect, the uh, reflected glory effect of being in a Power Five conference, that for a two-year window, Oregon State and Washington State, they still have enough cash enough brand identity, that if they are 10-2, and 11-1, yeah, yeah. they're still, they're still going to have a more than fighting chance to get into that 12-team tournament, especially if there's no undefeated group of five conference right, right. powerhouse. Dave, you, when you said halo effect and this last thing that you just said is what I've been trying to say. So you and I are in 100% agreement. However, while you're saying this, TJ's shaking his head right and left so much, I think he's going to pull his muscle. <laughs> yeah, and that's with a strained neck already. I, I unfortunately <laughs> think, yeah, my neck hurts. I slept on it wrong uh, two nights ago. I unfortunately think Oregon State and Washington State are going to be viewed as a group of five team next year. I think so. I think that's how they will be viewed. And that leads to if they're 12 and 0, I mean as long as there is a 10 and 2 team in either the SEC or Big 10, they would op- they would 1000% get the nod over them. And I'm just going to bring this around um, you know, as a reminder and we we all know this that it's not a playoff that they run. They will the ESPN will likes to label their new product next year as a 12 team college football playoff. But it is not a playoff. It is uh, it is an invitational, and it is up to ESPN and the the committee who is operated by ESPN to make the decision on what they feel like would be best. And you know, based on all the decisions that have gone in in the past five to six months, I would be I would be shocked. I think there would need to be significant uh, parity in those leagues, which there normally never are. Uh, and multiple teams that are nine and three and eight and four instead of a bunch of ten win teams for there even to be a chance with with twelve and zero, it just it just doesn't feel as realistic. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, yeah. I did have. Yeah, one, we will. I, You're I, right. I did have one. I, I did have one last comment. By any chance, did any of you see uh, Jonathan Smith's press conference remarks about? The uh, wh- why the Oregon State guys followed him, the players. Um, no, was this Belling recent? And Child uh, and Tanner Smith. You have you haven't seen that story? Was that recent? No, I haven't seen. I haven't that. seen it. Well, he had a press conference yesterday. I just okay. I just wrote down this quote. So let's let's unpack this a little bit. So just indulge me. Let me read this. So that I'm quoting Jonathan Smith. What this place offers, the passionate fan base the tradition, the conference we're in, all of those was appealing to this group, or these guys, rather. So passionate fan base, yeah, I, suppose, I mean, does Oregon State have a passionate fan base? I mean, that's not a rhetorical question. What do you think? Does of course, it? of course. Now, it might not, sure, might... sure, Michigan State has volume. I think every school can say that, and every coach who's brand new to that family can say that without it being ridiculous. Yeah, so then there's the tradition. Now, Michigan State maybe has a, has a better, I mean, the last time I can think of Michigan State being routinely 
kind of a, a blue-blooded, to use your favorite expression, was when Duffy Doherty was the coach <laughs> in the 1960s. So, uh, and I know they were in the college football playoff more recently when there was a, 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 a University of Michigan down cycle before Harbaugh got there. And there's where Smith has gotten an enormous break because Harbaugh is moving on, so he's going to have an, unfortunately, he's going to have an opportunity earlier on to have maybe more expect and more success that can be expected. But I just thought it was interesting. My interpretation, what he really was saying, is that it's the conference. That's what the selling point was. Because yeah. I don't think that I don't think the tradition of Michigan State is better than Oregon State. I mean, you can't have 28 losing seasons in a row and have a great tradition. Michigan State never did that. But, it's, but Michigan State's not a blue blood program. They're middle of the road, Big Ten altogether. But it's the conference they're in. Anyway, I just wanted to uh, uh, bring that uh, uh, quote to your attention, guys. Right. Thanks for taking my before you hang up. Before you hang up, just leave you with this: from based on what your lead statement to the phone call was, is that you're making us better, and that we don't like criticism. No, what we don't like is when is getting criticism when the criticizer, and that doesn't necessarily mean you already realizes that you're asking us to do something you know we cannot do. So it has to be fair. Well, that's, well, that's usually the technical stuff, John, and you know I'm, 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 I'm entirely in your camp. I mean, I'm your mainstream checker. Well, no, no, I don't, mean, I don't mean technically. I mean a lot of fans want us to tear apart a coach. Well, I mean, we were talking about basketball today. We weren't ripping on it. We are just saying that was hard to watch. We can't go after them. We could if we were a station out of Portland or some other place where we don't work for the darn team. We, you know, we've had this discussion many times through the years. We just can't. We're more facilitators of conversations. We cannot break big stories and go after players or coaches for Oregon State. We just can't do it. And I've never suggested that, John. I hope you're not putting me under that no. umbrella of of criticism. Uh, no, I just wanted uh, to be but, clear on but, that. But, 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 but I, 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 I agree with you completely. That's just something you can't do, given your portfolio there, your situation. So I'm with you 100%. Uh, really, really good conversation today, Dave. Let's, uh, let's do it again. We've got another Dave on the line. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend. Take care. Bye. All right, that's uh, Dave. Let's go to another Dave. Uh, thanks for hanging on the line, Dave. Uh, what say another you? Dave. <laughs> hey, uh, well, hey, that the whole idea of us making the, the being eligible or, you know, what we have to do to make the playoffs next year. I, I don't know. I, you, you mentioned TJ shaking his head. No, uh, <laughs> to part of the conversation. So I'll take a stab at it about what, what's going on in his mind, but I, I could be wrong, but I, I think the bigger problem is we need a signature win with that schedule, right? The only yeah, way we get correct. A signature win correct. is Oregon. Yeah. So you have to beat Oregon. You can safely assume that if you beat Oregon, you're probably going to run the table, right? You're not going to have a one loss. You would hope you, 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 you could run the table, <laughs> right? You could. But that's the whole reason yeah. that that Boise State started playing teams like Oregon and Washington and everybody else, right? Because they realized in the conference they were in, they're never going to get to a New Year's Six game unless they've got that signature win under their belt. Also, mm-hmm. so. Uh, I think that that is, you know, if we had other games that could be considered signature wins, Power Five, not not a Purdue. I mean, they're not bad, but they're not they're not going to have that wow factor for the 
the committee, and and I'll advance it further and say that uh, since when does the most deserving team get picked anyway? Uh, we we know that's not true this year, um, and probably in the past. So we could have that best qualification to be that twelfth team, eleventh team, tenth team, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and still get left out. Yeah. That's where for no reason at all. Yeah, so, deserving to be really, really tough. I think. Yeah, you're correct, and that's where I disagree a little bit, Dave, from Tumwater's call, where he said, "Hey, if all these teams heading into the last week of the season are only like nine and two, while the Beavers are eleven and zero, say in the in the best case scenario, and it's like it's about." I don't know. This isn't exactly his words, but it was more record over record over you know quality of win the team would be still the teams would be still under the halo right. of the power five that they've been in for all these decades and i'm assuming oregon state and washington state are outside of that and halo. you're saying that that halo is no longer there it shuts off when the season is over and that's not you're not wrong mm-hmm. and and dave dave also and to you tj yeah. can we all agree then that on that thread we've really learned kind of through talking this out on this show today that it boils down to how are the two schools going to be perceived sure. starting next year? Because yeah. that question, and by asking it now, by accident, we don't know the answer yet. And I could guess, I could guess how they would be perceived because the networks and the other schools in the conference, the former conference, have already made that decision for you of how you're perceived, and that's a bad precedent to set. First of all, and well. to, just to, uh, I'll say, wrap up my my first comments on uh, on this, Dave. Sorry, I'll let you talk here in a second. Your record in college football is not your record is not what you are. You, your record is not is not what it says it is. Records are perceived very differently. Ten and two in Conference USA is not ten and two in the Big Ten. Twelve and zero in Conference USA is not twelve and zero in the SEC. It's different. So it's that's why it's uh, it's hard to just say the the win number matters. The win quality is it's so important. I, I agree, and I think I think we essentially did see what is potentially that that matchup this year with with Oregon playing Liberty. Liberty, I think, was the top ranked Power Five school, nine Power Five, yeah, or whatever it was, and they got absolutely or yeah, a group of five, and and they got ran right. Yeah, I mean, so that's there's there's a pretty stark difference in in what happens, and, and the sad thing is. That, if, I agree. If we were playing a Power 5 schedule, even though we're not in a Power 5 conference, I agree with you, John, but we're not playing a Power 5 schedule. Right, and we're and not in a Power 5 that, conference. I don't, so I don't think that our previous reputation gets us anywhere. I really don't. No, I, in the end, you could be right. Yeah, in the end, you could be right, because. but yeah. at this point, we don't really know. Got to get to another caller from way far away. Thanks, Dave. Let's go to Kyle in Southwest Florida, who texts a lot, but I don't know. If, is this your first call, Kyle? Yeah, it's yeah, it's my first call. I um I was just thinking you guys are talking about the whole streaming issue. I think you, John, have a good idea with doing it in house. However, I think you need to piggyback with one of the main streaming services, um, just because you know you need the exposure. I said a text. You haven't gone through them yet, but if if you're on like Peacock or Paramount Plus or Amazon, what you want is somebody who has those services. To then be like scrolling on a Saturday and go, oh, Peter's wrong. Let me watch football. You know, that's what we're going to need. If we go completely like so well, you're going to get people like me down here subscribing, but I don't like, we're not going to get 
outsiders. And it's also going to be really hard to recruit if the, like, recruits are not even able to watch us unless they pay for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless they do some kind of coupon yeah. system. Yeah. You're right. But, yeah, I would say almost take, if we can almost take less money and do it in-house, but then, like, you know, put it to, um, what is it, Apple Plus, all those things, even ESPN Plus. So we're, right. we're going to have to work something out. I also think we have to tie it together with some of the other sports. Unfortunately, I think some of the Olympic sports will get, will get uh, not eliminated in the sense of where they'll go away. It's just they won't be on TV like they are some random Tuesday on the Pac-12 network. No, I appreciate the call, Kyle, but here's, here's, here's where I was coming from. It was more of a just a throw-out thought of, gee, what if they tried to do this? Not, well, why don't you just do this? It was more like, maybe they could do this. And based on the fact, if they haven't made any media deals whatsoever, and there isn't anything, then I thought, well, if you're at the point of there's nothing, then why not bring it in-house, try and sell some advertising, and be your own, your own company, which would be a massive thing to take on. And you're absolutely right. If you want national exposure, you've got to be on the main, the main places. But if there isn't anything coming in, why not you know, throw up some cameras and put it online and, and, and sell some advertising to try to make a few bucks um, and then have it to where Kyle in southwest Florida can watch every game? Yeah, it'll be in the middle of the night, but I do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly appreciate you listening to the show. That's that's really cool. Whenever it see it shows on the text that you that you write in. So uh, yeah, no, uh, I went to Oregon State. Um, I moved down here a couple years ago, and it's how I keep my you know beaver juices going. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, we got to take a break. Thanks for calling in, Kyle. Have a great weekend. And uh, these are just things throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. And I, I'm just wondering if there's an expert out there who knows, you know, how much would go into creating your own platform to where you're, you're, uh, you're taking on subscriptions, you're putting out the product. Should we call Larry Scott and see what I he thinks? Well, he tried. I, I know. Well, no, he tried to do, as Dave said, linear. I'm talking just streaming. Remember back in the day, are you old enough to remember uh, when... It was early 2000s, so you probably don't remember when it was really the, the absolute beginnings of the technology. And Beaver Baseball, and then at first, every Pac-12 baseball team had a camera set up behind home plate. No announcers, no nothing, just a camera. And anyone could, could uh, look in on that camera, just like your ring doorbell camera, and watch the game. You wouldn't have any information, no graphics, nothing, just one tripod camera behind home plate everybody did it and it lasts about a year before they really started to go oh well hey why don't we put a camera out in third and do this and then ooh, why don't we do a switching board and then it grew do you remember the early stages of that yeah well this would it be the early stages of creating your own your own streaming network mm. the exposure thing is is <laughs> kyle's right Though, like in house, you still need to find a way to get someone who's not a Beaver fan to watch your football games because if it's only Beaver fans watching every game and that's it, yeah, that's that's an issue. Like, because he's but, right about he's right about the recruits. He's right absolutely. about absolutely. There's no argument there. Sure. My question is, if that's not there, yeah, you can't get any deal with anybody. Yeah, you have nobody. You're on your own. Yeah, you have a bag of cash and you got more than enough than you need for two years, but you've got nothing else. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, do you not turn a camera on? You try. You got to do you. something. That's all my point. You got to do something. You're right. 
Got to do something. My frustration is coming because you're not hearing, not you, but it's, it's not the point. My point isn't, why aren't they doing this? This should be the best thing in the world. No, the point is, if all else fails and you've got nothing, well, you stick a camera up. Okay, well, we've gone past that. You can stick five cameras up. You can maybe go down to Joe's Bar and Grill and say, do you want to buy this game? Make a little cash. Maybe it only pays for the people's gas to get there. But beer fan can watch it. Do what you got to do. There you go. All right, we'll take our final break and then get out of here for the weekend on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, just a few minutes left in the program. I, I, I'm out of the out of the loop. I didn't know about the the fire. So Josh Grossman just walked in here and reminded us. And we we should have promoted this at the top of the show. Uh, and if you follow Angie Machado, you've probably seen this. But Zach Card and Thomas Collins of the football team, their apartment burned down. Wow. They lost a lot of their stuff, and there's a GoFundMe out there. So is that uh, where Angie, is that near near campus? I'm I'm not sure, but. Uh, Angie Machado tweeted out the link to the GoFundMe if you want to go help them out. They uh, they lost a lot of stuff, and they could use your guys' help to uh, to recoup a little bit. That stinks. So go to beaverblitz.com for information? Or just on tw- on X. You just can go, go, go find, okay. find Angie Machado there. Let's go to the phones. One last call. Glenny, what do you got? Well, you know, with this football playoff stuff, you know, it's, it's you know, we got to kick down to, you know, the Elite Two here. Now we have to go against the monster, or as Dave calls the beast, called ESPN. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember guys from ESPN saying there should be at least four or five SEC teams in that playoff next year. Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to want that because they get the ratings and the and they have a vested interest in it. Okay, now think of baseball. Ten last year in the baseball tournament, they you know I can see we're going to independent schedule. We could go like. Uh, 51 and 10, whatever. ESPN would say, no, we don't want them, man, because they keep on knocking off our beloved SEC teams. So, you know, yeah. But, you know, yeah, see, so this is where this, you know, somebody has created a beast here, literally. Oh, yeah. No, this whole and thing, everything. When was, when, was the, when was the last time you saw a non SEC team besides Oregon State in the you know, uh, baseball final? Win it? There's been an SEC team in every final. Who the last time there was not a single one? Coastal Carolina. Yeah, that probably 2016. That was Coastal in Arizona. Yep, that was the last one. Mm -hmm. And next year, ESPN took over SEC. Hmm. Now you got. Now you got it. So I will say the only difference with that is that so ESPN chooses the college football playoff. They don't choose the end the field for the baseball tournament. That's the NCAA. Thank goodness. Yeah, but who owns it? That who owns the NCAA? Nobody. Nobody. They own themselves. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, CBS. CBS does the tournament. CBS owns yeah, their, it. Their biggest their biggest funder is the basketball tournament. Yeah. More yeah, but so that's, than football. That's basketball. That's basketball. We're talking about uh, baseball and football. Uh, I, would believe a, Glenny, I would believe a conspiracy on football, but baseball, uh, probably not. It just doesn't generate enough money for that to be a, that to be a thing, I don't think. Points to ponder. Points okay. to ponder. Thanks, Glenny. Have a great weekend. All right. We've got a, just a couple of minutes left in the, the program. The SEC's, interesting things have been floated The SEC is in the baseball tournament final every year because they have all the best players. That's why. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. They, they have the best players. They have the biggest NIL funds. They can get all the players from around the country to come play for them. Biggest stadium, they have the biggest, biggest, biggest stadiums. 
biggest fan bases, best facilities, best chance to go pro. You're going to get drafted high, etc. All of these things. That's why. That's why the it's file. and that's why it's so so uh, um, satisfying to beat them. Right. Is that they're bigger, faster, stronger. Right. And it's because of money. Yep. And and you know, and Glennie's right. ESPN controls so much of it, but. Right now, not everything. Eventually, everything. And it's and it just can't be baseball. Like it's such a small slice of the pie. College baseball is just the tiniest, inkiest slice of whatever television takeover and money and revenue generated. You know, I'll tell you though. I'll tell you. I suppose I wouldn't be surprised if we really broke it down. It'd be like, well, of course. But on its on its surface, I'm I'm kind of surprised that the NCAA basketball tournament makes as much money as it does. Well, uh, I mean, it pays so much money for um, everything, for, for all of Division One and other sports. Well, I'll say, think about it this way. It's, what, 63 basketball games played over three and a half weeks? I know. See, How much money does that generate with, with them becoming increasingly more valuable as the days go along? I, and. No Stuff argument like here, but it's like, oh, wow, okay. Because you're thinking, you know, the, the bowl games or the football stuff, football being king, but one month out of the year with basketball mm-hmm. pays for pretty much everything, everything the NCAA needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, pretty amazing. Great stuff, really good stuff. Uh, our thanks to uh, uh, Isaiah Hainine. Did I get that right? Uh, Elijah Hainine. Elijah, Isaiah, Elijah. Elijah Hainine going to be the shortstop for the Beavers and Gabe Wisenhunt. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, Wrestling tonight at 6 o'clock.